Inside of you is what? I don't know. There we go. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. My voice is getting deeper, Ryan. <laughs> you just went, huh, 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 isn't that nice? Well, I'm holding the ads because you started to read an ad and then you decided to do the intro. So I'm going to yeah, put I those away. Ah, it's one of those mornings you wake up really early and you put on your Chewbacca mask and you scare your dogs. and You do what now? I have this Chewbacca mask that makes noises. I put it on Instagram. For like sex stuff? Not sex stuff. Oh. Uh, I live alone. Uh, well, I, you know, you could sit in front of a mirror naked with a Chewbacca mask and it makes noises. You know, the noises. Mm -hmm. So I scared my dogs this morning. That was my uh, that was my morning. But it's been a uh, very exciting week. Uh, my band, uh, Sunspin. I know you, some of you are probably tired of hearing about it, but uh, I got to promote it. I got to talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's just uh, it's a great album. I'm really proud of it. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of a uh, contest. So for releasing our new album, which is now out on iTunes and Amazon, you could also go to sunspin.com and get cool merch like coasters, stickers, shirts, lunch boxes, mugs, trucker hats, and you could buy the CD, autographed, all that shit. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a pretty cool contest where we give out some goodies for free, um, Sunspin goodies. If you want to learn more about it, go follow us on social media at, at sunspinband and uh to win some free merch and stuff and, and who knows might we might even do a zoom or something where we play a couple songs for you so uh we're just trying to promote the album we're not a rock a big rock band where we made a really great album but to, to get out there into the public is you know i'm using a platform such as my mm -hmm. podcast and social to try and get people to listen to it if it sucked i wouldn't tell you to listen to it i wouldn't mention it but I, i'm really proud of it and i think it's pretty fucking good I may say so. So take a take a listen. Have a listen. Amazon, iTunes, all that jazz. Uh, the handles at Sunspin Band all over social and um, Sunspin.com. You can find out. You can book the band. They could they could book a Zoom with us. Ryan, a wonderful guy, Definia, oh. booked us for a uh, picnic. A picnic where we social distance and play an hour of music. A picnic. And I invited him to play some music of his own as well. So we're going to do that. And you can book the band. We'll even fly across the world to, to see you. But uh, it has to be the right time and uh, when we're available and when COVID is safe and all that stuff. But uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to, to have something you're passionate about and uh, just promoting it and, and talking about it. So I'll leave it at that. Did you have a good week? I had an okay week. Why is it okay? Are you stressed still? You were stressed out the ass last week. I am. I think we're both stressed at this moment. Mm -hmm. I'm having issues. I'm having some issues. I'm doing okay now. This is nice. What? Just sitting here chatting with another human being. Yeah. Are you going a little cabin feverish? A little bit. <laughs> Remember in The Shining? Did I already do that? Uh, you probably where you know he says to Jack Nicholson's character. Well, we had a guy, this man, um, Delbert Grady. You know. Fine man, uh, good reputation, and uh, he came up with here with his family, family man, and uh, two months in, I guess, with the winter, and he couldn't handle it. He got what some people call cabin fever, and he uh, he killed his daughters with an axe and blew his brains out with a shotgun. Well, I can assure you, uh, <laughs> I don't remember what Jack Nicholson says. <laughs> You know, it is par for the course. It is part of the norm right now. It, it, anxiety is just like, you know, we've got, uh, you know, I've got a lot of my um, sponsors who I cherish because it's important that I have sponsors on the show so the show can make money so I could pay you and pay Bryce and do these wonderful things. And thank you, patron. Thank you, patrons out there for supporting the show. Um, if you want to join the wonderful family, I always 
message you after you join. It's um, patreon.com slash inside of you. Patreon.com slash inside of you. It's a really wonderful close-knit family. But they, they've helped me through this because, you know, I'm on different meds right now trying to deal with my anxiety. And I haven't always been one to get on meds. But, in fact, most of my life I haven't been on. And this is something that is just trying to make me more even-keeled so I don't – I feel like anxious, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I, I'm fine. And I use that term loosely, but uh, I don't want anybody to worry about me. I'm not worried. I have a great therapist. And I'm just trying to, I have that feeling where, imagine someone's grabbing your shirt and just kind of pulling you a little bit. Mm. And you're like, hey, I just I want to relax, but it's just pulling you a little bit. Like, I'm anxious. I have to do this. I have to do that. I can't get it done. I'm, you know, uh, it's almost like you're too anxious to get things done. It's true. You know what I mean? I like, know exactly I, what you mean, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? How, yeah. how do you deal with it? Uh, Not well. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, but I know what you mean. Like, you sort of, you're so anxious about doing everything that you just do nothing because you're worried about, I don't have time to do all of the things, so I just got to sit here and not do anything. Wow, that was uh, articulated well because I understood you completely. <laughs> Maybe because it's my uh, my mind. Um, sometimes a, a run helps. Sometimes uh, the the guitar session helps. But then it, it's it, these days it's hard to to fully get rid of all of it. I found. Yeah, and the more you have on your plate, the more stressed, the more you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, look, it's good to be busy. I, I again, gratitudes, man. I always say I got a roof over my head. I got two great dogs. Um, you know, and the stress of my old dog is is probably kicking in into my psyche a little bit. But uh, you know, I'm blessed. We're all blessed in 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 some way. You got to find something special in everything we do. And and uh, this, I'm, I'm very uh, grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful that the the people who do listen. My listeners uh, tune in and and want to hear what I have to say and want to hear what the guests have to say. Would I love it if uh, you know the big guests that get tons of numbers uh, would bleed over and people would continue to listen that le- like that particular guest? Sure, but I can't control things, Ryan. Mm-mm. We can't control things, so we have to let them go. Like, hey, this is what it is. Be grateful, move on, enjoy it while it lasts. Be present, be in the moment. So I urge you to try and be in the moment. Take a walk. Um, not you, the proverbial you, Ryan. Not, not exactly you. <laughs> oh, but, I will. Right. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, man. Fuck. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, you know, please write a review. It helps more than anything. Uh, what are the uh handles? Oh, they're uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, and they're right here in front of me, so mm-hmm. you can see them if mm-hmm. you're watching the video. And uh, if you're listening, I also urge you to. While you're uh, listening, play the YouTube. You know, we get a view for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about this guest because uh, I was a big Walking Dead fan. He's got a big following. And uh, I didn't know him at all. Some of the guests I don't know at all. And uh, it worked out perfectly. I thought there was a steady flow of conversation, conversing. And uh, Michael Cudlitz is a great guy. He's got a new series called Clarice. Uh, it's, you know, obviously Silence of the Lambs. And... Um, it's really interesting. And I think he plays a detective and he talked a lot about walking dead, about conventions, about um, all the stuff. So if you're a fan, you're going to love it, but I, I urge you to stick around for other episodes and maybe just maybe you'll, uh, you'll like the show and you'll want to stick around and tell your friends. And that's, it's all about word of mouth. Every actor and their mother started a podcast during this uh, epidemic pandemic. <laughs> and uh, I've had this podcast for two and a half years now. So I have been here done that so uh, i urge you to uh follow us on all these things and you know 
I think we should probably get into our uh, wonderful guest, shouldn't we? Mm. Let's do it. Let's get into Michael Cudlitz. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You're in uh, Montreal, Toronto, where are you? Toronto. Toronto. You see me pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> you know? It's good. It's like it's, it's, to be working right now is insane. And we had a really great first half and nobody got sick. And This is for uh, Clarice. Yeah. Dude, I'm so pumped, man. I'm a huge Silence of the Lambs fan. I am like... You know, I'm one of those guys that like watch movies and memorize lines and then give impressions to people. And they're like, God, this guy doesn't have a life. You're not that guy, but I'm that guy, Michael. I'm that guy. Clarice, six foot four, 120 pounds. Louis friend. You know, I remember all that shit. Like, uh, what was the thing where he goes, oh, Agent Sterling, you think you can dissect me with your blow pillow tool? You're so ambitious, aren't you? But you know what you look like with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rogue. A wild whore hustling the road with a little taste. The magicians gave me a lympho bone, but you're really not one more generation from pure white trash, are you, Agent Sterling? That accent you so desperately tried to share. I knew the whole thing. I'm a loser, Michael. <laughs> you don't do that, do you? You don't memorize lines. No. I do, uh, I, I have enough trouble memorizing my <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> By the way, it's been one of those days right now that I got in. I'm so out of it today that I actually tried to put my seatbelt on in, in my chair here. <laughs> put your seatbelt on? Yeah, there's no reason you're for that. Afraid you're, gonna, you're afraid you're going to fall out? I'm afraid this is going to be such an intense uh, an interview that... Uh, <laughs> So look, I've always enjoyed your work, man. I, you know, it was a, it's a treat to have you on and like, you know, you see you in Southland and you see you in, in, in all these, I mean, you have, the, the thing is with your resume, you're one of those guys, you're like a real man. I, I strive to be a real man, Michael, but you build I'm shit. I'm striving to be a real man. No, dude, you build shit. You're from New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, these are real men essentials, but no, you've done so much work. Like I look like. The, the list of work, like even one episode, one episode, one episode, you just seem like the guy who just wants to be on set, wants to work. This is what you love. Am I, am I wrong there? I used to joke. It was a, a time when I was doing uh, um, a lot of guest spots. And um, I'm going to change my glasses. Do it. I got, this, I got something out of it. I can't clean it off. This is now time while Michael Cudlitz changes his glasses. Uh. Are those those look good too? Are those the same? These are the same. Yeah, I, I, I actually bought new glasses here before I left, and I got them just before I ran back home for six days. Right. And I'm pretty sure I left them at home. Well, you could have somebody send them and then sanitize yeah. your hands. Yeah, I probably just they're like a, they're, they're cheap. They're so I'll probably just get another pair here, and I'll keep on coming two weeks. Well, I want to get back to what you were saying about those roles, but also, are you the kind of guy that makes a lot of money now because you've worked your ass off and you deserve it and you've done all this stuff? But do you still like cheap things? Because I still love deals. Yeah, I don't. I don't even. Get, yeah, yeah. I live pretty frugally. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? Just because you're. I don't know. I mean, the way I grew up in New Jersey, pretty blue collar. My, you know, my folks each had two jobs growing up, and. You know, I, I worked my way through school doing construction. Um, did construction as my day gig when I was trying to get my career going. And 
I don't know. I guess I just, uh, you know, I saw a lot of people, as I'm sure you, you know, you've been doing this a while. We know we have friends that are incredibly, incredibly talented that just stop working one day. And it's not because they choose to, it's because they just stop working. And I don't know what the math is on it, but uh, I'm very aware that there's uh, potentially a shelf life on all of this. Yeah. Um, so I, I just try to focus on the work and, you know, I've been really, really fortunate. Um, uh, started directing a couple of years ago and, you know, that's insane to me that they would even give me a chance with, you know, with the way that the, uh, there's, there's so many great directors that are not working. Um, so to, to come into it new, you know, in, you know, my fifties and just sort of be like, well, all right, you know, they're giving me a chance, um, which is crazy to me. So I, I just sort of feel real blessed to, to be doing this still and people still want to watch well i you know it's funny well you're incredibly <laughs> humble but you know you, you look at the imdb and you look at all these things you've done you're like holy shit ryan my engineer editor friend he was sitting there and going god this guy's done it all i mean you've done i mean this guy was building like doing construction on beverly hills 90210 then was on 24 yeah. and lost and first of all when you're working on beverly hills 90210 did you ever see the stars like the big stars and how old were you when that happened I was uh, I was out of college, so I was in 87, 87, 90. I was probably 25. Did you see uh, Dylan and those guys? I'm friends with all those guys now. I mean, I just talked. I missed. I missed missed Jason. He was up here shooting Private Eyes, and because of the COVID stuff, we weren't able to actually um, hook up, and we were gonna. We're gonna at one point we said, all right, before you get out of town, we're gonna we're gonna go grab a coffee and take a walk and you know be outside and socially distanced and but but be able to to hang out. And it, it wound up not happening because my work schedule up here got so insane. But um I've I've loosely kept in touch with with everyone else, a little more with Jason. I was very close friends with Luke. Our yeah, kids uh, grew up together. Um uh the ladies I see in passing uh, every once in a while. Um, Gabrielle lives in my neighborhood, and we're we're friends. Um, uh, That's Chuck great. Rosen, I just spoke to him recently. Yeah, I, I keep in touch with all those guys, basically. I mean, when you you see a guy, your colleague, your peer, like somebody like, and I I, I didn't even know we we're gonna go there, but you know, after Luke's passing, it's so sudden, and you're like. I mean, to me, that just puts everything in perspective and makes you think like, hey, it really is. And it, these these thoughts are sort of ephemeral. Like, I wish you think like that long. I mean, obviously, you can't dwell on things. But to know that, hey, like that, it's over. Like that, it is over. So what do we do? We got to live every day. And we got to. And you think those things. And then you forget that. And you kind of go back to your same shit, right? We yeah. all do that. It's like New Year's resolution. It's like, oh, I'm going to work yeah. out. And I'm going to I'm going to not masturbate as much. And I, I, I don't know why I went there, but you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I mean, how, how do you approach those things when you see a colleague or a friend like that? How do you deal with that stuff? Are you pretty like solid, like in terms of like upbringing and how you deal with problems? Cause I'm kind of all over the place and I'm, uh, I'm a mental yeah, I, th I think I'm kind of all over the place too. You know, you, sometimes different parts of your life come into focus in different ways. And, um, that was huge, you know, the loop thing. And I, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm perfectly fine talking about this now, 
Um, but at the time I wasn't, uh, I wasn't talking about, um, my friendship with him and what an amazing person he was, because there were a lot of people who, um, were taking advantage of that. Um, as their time to get in the press and that sounds shitty, but I saw it and, and I'm not talking about his close friends. There are, there are close friends out there. It is that, that were much closer than me yeah. that loved that man. And, and, you know, gave wonderful tributes. So I'm not talking about that at all, but because I wasn't that close to him, um, I was very aware that this, this is, you know, my relationship with him, with Luke was, was very close and very personal and wasn't in the press. So why should my reaction to his passing be in the press? Yeah. Um, if, if for no other reason than to put me in the press. Right. And that just seemed kind of fucked up to me. So I, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. So I, didn't, I haven't really talked about um, his passing. And uh, for me, it was a, a huge, a huge wake up call because we we're you know, we're close in age. I'm, I'm older, which is even makes it more like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, but he passed from the same thing that my mother-in-law had just passed from two years ago. Uh, so like six months, uh, or eight months prior to, to his passing. I don't, I get the, uh, sure Oof, still. Up, but I don't care. Um, not shortly after my mother-in-law passed, Luke passed. Um, and it was the same exact thing. And I was just like, like that, that's not, that's supposed to happen to people who are much, much older. Um, and, you know, the fact that it did happen was, as you said, a, a huge wake up call. And you sort of just go, yeah, you need to, you need to, you need to have your short term goals as long as your long term, as well as your long term goals. If you only have long term goals, you might not live to see them. That's right. Uh, no matter how you're working it. So, you know, the, the, I don't know who said this, but there's a quote that says, you know, life is what happens while you're waiting for your life to begin. Um, yeah. And a lot of people do that. They're like, oh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. And you can't, I'm gonna for the rest of your life because you are, you know, and you have to sort of live at least partially where you are right now and enjoy that time. Uh, otherwise, you're gonna miss it. Wow. I, I love that. You, you can't, I'm gonna for the rest of your life or you're never gonna do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's really true. It's, you know, and you I, can, I'm gonna as long as you are. You know, as right, as, right, as right. There is stuff going on now. Absolutely, have the long-term goals as well. Yeah, I just feel like uh, I go outside sometimes, and I just I force myself. I'm like, why can't you just like look up at the sky and the trees? I'm like, because you know they're there. They'll always be there. They're fucking trees. They're it's a sky. And then you're like, Dude, well, that's not that's nine eleven. That's the twin towers. I mean, I grew up in New York. I grew up in New Jersey. Sorry, born in New York, grew up in New Jersey. Been in and out of New York City my whole youth uh, and as an adult and never did, you know, never did the, the world trade center, never went up into the world trade center just to see the view, the observation, never did uh, the statue of Liberty never did uh, empire state building because in your mind, that's always there. I can always go do that. Tourists do that. And I regret that. Um, so wow. now I, I kind of, I've been real fortunate with, with what's been happening in my career lately that I've been able to travel the world a lot. And I, I try to go see all the, wonderful dumb 
you know, dumb tourist <laughs> stuff that I can. Like the you know, CNN you thing? You go to St. Louis, you go see the Arch. Well, that's Toronto, the CNN thing, right? CNN Tower? Exactly, yeah. You better yeah, be I'm up there. Back, I'm actually going out there <laughs> if, it, if it's open back up after the after my, my, my current quarantine is over. <laughs> Uh, if they're doing any kind of social distance thing there, but I'm going to, I'm going to do that before I get out of here. Yeah. I, I could just see that. I think that's important to do things that you don't. I just, I do that all the time. I just procrastinate and I just, you get caught up in your world. You know, my therapist always said, Michael, your inbox is never going to be empty. It's never going yeah. to be empty. You, you've got to just like, let it go, let things go, do things, be present. And I've definitely gotten better. I've definitely gotten better. I think this podcast doing this has, has forced me to, be present to have real conversations. And I think it's a blessing in disguise because I didn't even really want to do this. And then I started being vulnerable and like real. And then all of a sudden people are writing letters and I'm like, really, this helps you. I didn't, how am I, how am I helping you? Me? It's impossible. It's gotta be Ryan, my engineer. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I like what you said and, um, I'm going to quote it repeatedly after I memorize it. I have to take the time to memorize it. <laughs> But, Just don't um, do it in Anthony Hopkins' voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> Never say you're going they to. must do what you're <laughs> living do for tomorrow means not, not living for today. <laughs> <laughs> and then do this after. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, we did the we did the thing. Oh, man, I love that. You know, I know you auditioned for Band of Brothers, and you got it, and, it, you know, you just changed your life. I also tested for it with Tom Hanks. And I remember the oh, building really? where I walked in. So and he you, goes, were, you were probably there that day when when Spielberg when there were all the people who were who had sort of at the beginning of their career. Then there were all these sort of there was eight or nine superstars that were in there, and we were all kind of going, "Well, we're not going to ever get hired." Yeah, I, I you know what I, I remember going in there and the, uh, Lan, the Lantana building. Yeah, was that it? I remember it was just like this little room. You went into a room, and then there was another room to the right. Yeah. Right, yeah. you go in, and Tom Hanks is like, "Get in here." And he just sat there and we read and then I came back and he was mixing and matching and he got, he read, he goes, All right. he goes, how do you feel? I go, I feel good. He was just so sweet. And I'm like, what, what do you remember about the process? Because at this point you really were still at Cal Institute, right? Yeah. I'd gotten, I just gotten out. That was to, to 1999. 99. Yeah. Uh, Cause we, we started, I get, well, actually it was probably 19, 98. So you were like 29 and or then 30. Through, yeah. Uh, no, 30. I was 35 when I did it. Oh, wow. You look a lot younger. Yeah. 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 That's been a blessing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> awkward at times, but a blessing. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember like all of it. Um, and it was insane. I was doing, uh, I was working on a sitcom at the time, doing just a day gig. And they they let me out in the morning to go do it. Um, because they knew what it was, but they were like, if anything else comes up with this rest of this week for it, you can't. So I let them know that. And, and because we're, we're filming, I think we taped on a, a Thursday and a Friday. And so, it, you know, Meg was like, yeah, if it, if it goes any further, it's not, you know, not, you're not going to hear anything for a, a good couple of weeks, you know? So we, the first thing was happened, like we went in and then they did, as you're saying, that mix and match part of it. And there may have been, it may have come back twice. I may have, I may have come back a second time to see Meg, because they read us all for the same two or three parts right. initially that were not the roles that we were going to play. They were just stuff that was more flushed out. And I don't know if you remember, uh, some of the stuff we read was like was stuff that was not in the in the show. It was stuff like back in town. Uh, it was in Tacoa before they left and went overseas. 
and it was yeah. in real time. And it wasn't just training. They had like, it was kind of what they did in the Pacific. It was some of the, the slice of life at home and then the slice of life of, of the training right, and stuff. Right. And they, they're, they're playing around, I think, with that early on. And I think they realized they just need to do just, just the men in training with each other and build that relationship. But I remember we went in and uh, I read, I think the Compton stuff, the Buck Compton stuff was the stuff we read because it was, it was a nice scene in a big monologue. Um, so you're kind of like, they were like, just play with it. Right. You know, because we weren't auditioning for Buck Compton. It right. was, you know, everybody was reading the same two or same three Same thing, right. And, uh, and then when we came back, that's when we got the different material and they started splitting us up and mixing and matching and, you know, certain roles. And there were some, you, know, you can even see with the guys the way they looked like at the time, you know, sort of dark, you know, dark hair and lean and shorter. And there was like four or five guys that were almost interchangeable uh, in the audition process. And then there were some guys who were definitely, you know, your bucks and your bulls and, you know, and, and those guys that were iconically described as, were, were described iconically as, as certain sizes. And, you know, James Matteo, who played Percane, who's um, much, much smaller than me. I love you, Jimmy. It's not an insult. Um, <laughs> you just, you just are. Um, there's no way he would have been hired to play bull or buck um, and, and vice versa. There's no way I would have been hired to played for Conti, but there were uh it was a chunk in the middle that, that that sort of was interchangeable i think those guys were kind of slugging it out for you know the same or different roles but in the same grouping right um and then i remember when we all got back and, and we got called in for our, our mix and match uh uh callback how nervous were you by uh, the way uh pretty nervous you know, but, <laughs> but probably not as nervous as i should have been because I'm, i was so stupid i didn't know really know what it, you know we didn't really know what it was yet we knew you know it was tom hanks and steven spielberg so initially that was when enough you get into something like this you're kind of like this is going to be a career changer like you don't you don't care and i say this with all respect because it comes back around i didn't give a shit about these guys like in the sense of like some sort of historical context or the families or some legacy. I was like, fuck this. I'm going to fucking work with Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. And it's going to be great for my exactly. career. Blah, blah, blah. That's, yes. the only, that's the first thought because you're not, you're not seeing the whole project in its context. Um, once we, we went through, uh, we paired up mixed and matched and Steven was actually at the final one filming uh, an old VHS or, or probably whatever the state of the art thing was at the time. And he's like, you know, doing handheld stuff and kind of moving around us and everything. And um, we came in and there was a bunch of guys there who were auditioning, who were stars. Mm -hmm. And then there was a bunch of us who were not. Yeah. And that they obviously made a very specific choice to go with people who were not associated with any other things necessarily in their career, except for David Schwimmer and and right. choose sort of no-name guys to to become these guys so people would know them as that not go oh there's there's you know whoever played that role why don't they that. why don't they do that more sorry to interject but look, why don't they to me they do it in horror movies right they do it in horror movies because no one gives a shit if it's scary i'll watch it i don't care who the fuck's in it but they have to put these huge budgeted movies that all go to the big actors no one cares Make a comedy with funny people. I don't give a shit if yeah. they're not. I mean, Kristen Wiig's amazing, but you know, if it's a funny script and you find some un no names, you're going to save a shit ton of money and make a funny movie. Nobody really cares. They have to put, like, something just happened. Like, I got, there was a role, and they gave it to someone huge. And I'm like, why? You didn't need that person. 
You got your money. I'll do it for 5,000 cents. I've had things come to me where I'm like, what are you doing? Why? No. I mean, like, thank you. I appreciate the offer. Um, go hire somebody else and pay them really well. Uh, like, you don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have time for this. I don't, I mean, I, it's not that I don't need it. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I, I need to keep working. We all do. But there, there are roles that I look at and there people come to me sometimes and offer them and they're just offers and they're like, Hey, we want you. And I'm like, I don't, this is not, it's not going to help my career. I'm not going to really make you know that much money on it, but it will help someone else's career. Yeah. Like it'll change someone else's life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found- I got Rocket Money. <laughs> Okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. But getting back to that other, the, the, the story with the, the band, band, yeah. uh, the band of brothers, the, um, you know, when, when it was all said and done, and then when we got the scripts, that's when you realize, holy shit, this is based on a real book, and these are the men, and these are the interviews, and I can contact the family, and I can contact people who knew him. And, you know, I, you know, as I was told early on, my guy had passed, so I was talking to all his friends, I'm talking to one of his friends one day, and he's like, why don't you call him and ask him this? And I was like, excuse me? He's like, why don't you, why have you talked to Bull yet? And I'm like, uh, well, one of us is wrong here, and I don't want to make you nervous, but I was told that he passed away. And they're like, when did he pass away? I said, well, I was told he passed away about six months ago. Oh. And then I'm told, well, I talked to him two weeks ago, so I don't think your information's correct. What? So I go back. Of course, I'm like freaking out. I just got chills. And I got look at this—the hair on my arms because I thought like, oh god, he's going to be emotional. It's like I didn't know my buddy died and he's alive. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That's what I was put in the middle of. I'm like, well, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and my oh mind my. is like, how the fuck do I figure this out? So then I then I'm like really, <laughs> you know, sort of in a, a bind and a loss and in a weird place. Like I called production. I called Tom's company. And I'm like, um, I just found this out, and I don't think I'm the one who should pursue this. I think you guys should make the initial phone call. And they were like, yes, <laughs> because we'd also like to go interview him because we did not know. Right. Um, and then we found him. Good work, uh, Michael. Good work. Solid work. Yeah. Thanks for finding <laughs> exactly. out he's alive. We're a huge exactly. production, and we couldn't figure that shit out, but I'm glad yeah. you called his friend. Yep. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, and then ultimately, uh, I had to, you know, I had to make reach out and call him. And that was possibly the most surreal, uh, experience. I literally, I was so nervous. I, I, I think I rehearsed picking up the phone and like, what I was going to say first, because I, I was like, how do you, how do you, what's your opener on that? Oh, I am the guy who's going to play you in the movie. Well, I mean, what? The movie you don't even really know about because you were dead up until ten minutes ago. <laughs> um, what, how did you uh, fucking start that? The joke. You know, and as a kid, you know, it's I, 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 probably the most adult thing I was forced to do uh, as a as a kid. You know, as a kid, I was thirty five year old man, a kid. Uh, as far as it's I was a kid. concerned, it's a talking kid. to a you know an eighty eighty three year old World War Two vet. Um, yeah, so he uh, he was wonderful, um, very 
short in his answers in our first encounter. Uh, Was there a lot of blood? Yep. <laughs> exactly. A lot of fighting. Hey, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what do you do? Tell me about the war. Like, you know, what are, what are the, you know, like, what are the opening questions? I've talked about this a million times. I don't. Uh, hasn't, but hasn't talked about it at all. That's the amazing thing. And it's a, a person who has a personality who doesn't really talk. Wow. So that helps he's you. not really communicative even when he does know you. So here's this kid who's going to play him in the movie. Uh, so you can imagine how that went. He's like, how are you, sir? Good. All right. Okay. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm the <laughs> Sounds like talking to my dad. In, uh, in Stephen Ambrose's book, we're turning into a miniseries. Have you heard anything about that? A little. <laughs> my God. Now, this goes on for probably... 10 or 15 minutes and it's excruciating oh. for me. Um, I'm sure he's fine. He's just answering the questions. And then, uh, and then I, I finish up and I'm like, okay, you know what? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, just let this go for now. And uh, I'm going to mind if I talk to your wife uh, and say goodbye and thank her. Cause I talked to her first for a minute. He said, sure. Well, I wound up talking to her for about an hour and a half longer. <laughs> and, and if you want to get to know somebody, talk to somebody that know, that loves and knows them, because we are we are who we sort of uh, we talk about ourselves in 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 sort of ways that we want people to perceive us. But if you want to know how you're really perceived in the world, talk to somebody else, oh. you know, because they're looking at you go through it. So yeah. I got more more of what I did, you know, and how I portrayed Bull. Uh, Denver was was based on most of the information I got from from Vera. Wow! Um, and then months later, and into it, and as and as the as the project evolved, and as it finally was released, um, uh, Denver and his family became very close with our family, and uh, he opened up, and we'd have great conversations, and uh, it was it was possibly one of the most sort of amazing work-related thing that has ever happened to me and, and ever will. I don't, I don't expect anything to ever top the sort of experience so far as creative work, uh, you know, extended family and, and personal uh, way that this project has affected. Well, if, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, I'd like to call him and talk to him. Well, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you going to say? Can you either say Say the right he thing. He passed a number of years ago. He did. Did they call? They call you and tell you? Was did, did Vera call you? Um, no, actually, uh, how was it? It's it's kind of terrible. Um, oh, in the sense of uh, the the kid, his kids passed before him. They outlived their children. Awful. Um, and and then Vera passed. Vera passed. Then Denver passed. No, Denver. Yeah, Vera passed. Then Denver passed. Then then the son passed. The daughter, Vera, Denver, then. Oh man, you know so, I my mind. It was uh, it was amazing to have you know be able to document everything, and it was amazing to sort of uh, become part of that family's family because they were certainly part of ours. Well, it's cool because you also did the even you do so much, but you you did the return to Hardwick that's coming out on PBS. Uh, you know, so check that out. It's about the bombers of World War II, and you you you're the narrator. So 
I mean, you know, you, it's probably for you nice because since Band of Brothers, you haven't done many maybe military kind of th- roles, right? Yeah, that was they actually reached out to me to do um, to do a small blurb in the beginning. Michael Sellers, who's one of the the grandchildren of one of the, the airmen, and friend of a friend reached out and said, "Hey, buddy's got this uh, uh, reunion group." You know, and they, they they keep in touch with the the men and the families, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's that's exactly like what the Band of Brothers guys do. Whatever they need, yes. And like, well, no, we're going to. I said, no, 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 whatever you need. So we did a couple of recordings, and then he said, do you mind, would you want to do more? I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do because I know what this is. It's documenting the legacy of those men, and you know, not every every bomber group, not every uh, squadron, not every platoon uh, has a Band of Brothers made for them although it is representational of all of them, they don't get to tell their stories in, in such an amazing way. Um, and I felt very fortunate for the Men of Easy Company that we were able to do that for them. And anyone who's doing any kind of effort to document and save that for future generations, um, I'm, I'm on board. This, this, that's like a no-brainer. That's awesome. Hold on. I'm, my, you know, my grandmother just tried to call me and it fucked up the whole oh. thing. Oh, Grandma, no, man. I just gotta like get you back for some reason. Hold on, I'm gonna press Zoom here. <laughs> there it is. You're back. You're back. Hold on, I just want to make sure you're pinned. Yeah, are. and Hi, she Grandma. keeps she keeps calling too. Why won't you answer your phone? Because well, I'm, on the, phone. She's disconnected. <laughs> I'm <laughs> on the phone. So you can't answer for your grandmother. It was a doctor. I, uh, I, my dad, when my dad calls, my dad had uh, his heart valve replaced. Uh, It'll be four years this next coming summer. And the phone rings, I pick it up no matter what I'm doing. If I have my phone with me, yeah. If I if I don't need to be, if I can't be interrupted, I don't take my phone with me. But my, I've been directing, I've been sort of talking to the crew. And, you know, a couple of years ago when it had first happened and my phone rang, I left, my, it was my dad. I was like, hang on a second. All right, Michael, you know oh, what? Don't, don't make me feel don't like need shit to wait a now. Second. Don't make me feel like shit, Michael, because now oh, I didn't answer fine. my girl. You know, She's I fine. answer my dad. I answer him all the time. Don't You don't have to answer your grandma. I do mostly answer her. I, I mostly do answer her because she's my favorite person on the planet. In fact, I want to interview on the podcast because she's so... I'm telling you, I've never been loved. You gotta do that. That's one of those woulda, shoulda, couldas. You gotta do no, that. no, I am. I am. I'm just, she doesn't know how to do Zoom and she's like isolating in, in Florida. So I have to figure that out. She's getting vaccinated tomorrow, but I'm going to do it because I've had her on the podcast before, like in the intros, but she's so cute. And I've never been unconditionally loved by someone like she loves me. And when she tells me she, I try to call her out on it. Like I'll say something like she goes, she goes, I, I, Mikey, I love you so much. I go, yeah, you're old. You're saying this because you're old. She goes, no, I, li- Michael, I've never met anyone. I've never known anyone like you in my entire life. And I go, I don't know what that means. What is it? I'm saying that I love you. And I, I go, why do you say that to me? No, I say this to you. I know all everybody in my family. This is for you. I'm telling you. And she and I have that connection, you know, so it is nice. And, I do pick up. Where, where's she? Where's she from? She lives in Florida. She's, uh, you know, she's from New York. She's from the Bronx originally, but the uh, Bronx, okay. Yeah. She, the way you're talking, you're describing my aunt Riva. Aunt Riva. Like, I love. I love it. I love it. Kogel. Kogel. <laughs> you mean Kogel? Are you? Hey, are you? Are you a Giants fan or Jets fan? Say Giants. You're Jets. Uh, I can see either it. because when I moved to New Jersey, I was like, you know what? Fuck all you guys. You're all playing in New Jersey. I don't give a shit. And neither one of you is calling yourselves the New Jersey Jets or Giants that you're playing here. 
Fuck off. <laughs> what a dick. I love it. Hey, all right. So look, you got I me. Mean, look, you were Southland. You got a Critics, Critics Choice Award. You, you did Walking Dead. You got this show, Clarice. You've, you've done it. You're, by the way, you're still pretty damn young and you've done all these great things. Yeah. Um, what is it that you want to do? Like we talk about, this is what I'm going to do. Do you see yourself ever retiring from acting or do you want to be one of those Martin Sheen guys doing, you know? Not, yeah, I don't, I don't see retiring because I love telling stories too much. Um, but I definitely see myself slowing down, you know. Um, there's going to be a time where I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to do uh, network television. Um, the pace of it is is all consuming. Brutal, yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll direct it. You know, but I don't know if, you know, probably, you know, in 10 years from now, if I'm going to want to do the grind of a 22 episode show and, yeah. and all the work that's required to do it correctly um, and well. Are you good at, um, at memorizing lines, by the way? It, it depends. What It depends on the project. Um, sometimes it's a, it's brutal because they're not written well. And sometimes it's like easy when they are written well. So it's it's uh, it's about connecting with the character and the and the material and how it's written. Um, I love the back and forth, the exposition stuff. Can, sometimes can be a grind. Um, although I have to say, on on this show, since we it is serialized, uh, it's it's been wonderful. There's just been just really incredible dynamic scenes between characters, which for me that's the easiest stuff to get. Um, it's just when it's just the wholesale bulk, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just like it, anybody could, any character could fucking say it because all it's doing is giving you information. Yeah. That's when it gets to be a pain in the ass. I used to say things like, you know, hey, uh, can you give this to the uh, Chloe character? It's more exposition. And like, Rosenbaum, you just don't want to memorize it. I'm like, absolutely. And I'm second on the call sheet. So can we make this happen? No, I wouldn't do so, that. I would do that. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, would do I don't that. want... I don't want I don't want to do all the exposition. No. Although I'm in my job right now, I do a lot of exposition because I'm the leader of the team, but it's it's it, it's it, there's a purpose. It's not it's not your typical um exposition. It's it's actually incredibly it's it's and I, t I told the writers of this, it's the best pilot I've ever read. Wow. Um and the scripts have been fantastic. It's it's that that's you know, my I showed it to my wife and run everything by my wife, and when she's read it, she's like, You have to do this. You know, I was like, I think I'm going to do, I, you know, am, am I talking myself into this? But I, I like, I feel like this is like terrific. And she's like, but it's network. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't read like network. Like, read this. Tell me if I'm crazy. And she read it. And she's like, you have to do this. So is she someone who will, A, does she see everything you do? B, does she ever say, is she always just like, you were great. Great job, honey. Great job. Or is she ever like, she just doesn't say anything. Like, she'll tell you the truth. Like, eh, you're okay. Yeah, she'll 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 um she'll tell me when it's not when it's not there, you know. Or and it's usually it's you know I I've, I've been very fortunate again. I, I I've been doing this a minute. Um, there's for television. I think it, I think it would be it would be really hard for me to be like just awful because awful to me is like a complete you know. I don't know. It's just, it's literally not understanding the scene at all. Not, there, there's so many, there's so many things that if you commit to, 
you, you can pull yourself out of awful, even if you make the wrong choice. If you've committed to a choice, people are going to go, oh, that wasn't what I would do, but. Oh. Yeah, you were bad, but um, you weren't awful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's very hard to be really awful. It is. Um, it really is. I mean, if you if you are if you are present, and you are you know trying to tell a good story and trying to communicate with your other your other actors, um, but she you know I know there's times where she's like you know oh my gosh I was like wasn't it you know I didn't see you at all you know as I, I was able to completely enjoy that and there are times where she's like well you did your job. You like, oh, <laughs> did your job okay. did my job and that haunts you oh, that you just go. upsets the shit out of you and you're like what do you mean i did my job there you go oh man hey but i do the same thing to her you know like with with her she's a writer now and i do the same thing with her and i'm like you know you you're like you're better than this you know why are you why are you being so reserved and she'll be like no you're right so i, I think uh i think we push each other in Boy, good ways. That's healthy. Been together for been together in 30, 34, 35, 34 years Jesus, now. Thirty. That's incredible in this business. Yeah. Good for you. Good for her. Yeah. Well, well as I said, she's perfect, except obviously she's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that was so Chris Farley. I'm not gonna you know it's funny. We were talking about it's like, well, she's with the wrong guy here. Let's be honest. Well, I, all the fish out there and this is what she chose oh my god all right (laughs) whatever you gotta live with your choices what's up everyone it's reality steve your number one source for all things bachelor nation and reality tv every day i'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your bachelor nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars my name has been synonymous with spoilers but i'm so much more than that give me a listen the reality steve podcast part of the believe network just search b-l-e-a-v on youtube or wherever you listen Hey, you know, uh, obviously we haven't talked about the the elephant in the room, but Walking Dead obviously is the biggest, one of the biggest things that ever hit television. It's, uh, I know I watched through the first uh, five seasons and, uh, you know, it was a movie every week. It felt like I was watching a freaking movie and that's how I'd explain it. I'd say it's like, I love horror. I'm a huge horror fan, as everyone knows. And I go, I'd be a zombie for a day. I remember even I, I actually read for something in it. Uh, a while back but i remember i just love that show and when your character i will tell you this there's a couple of characters on the show they're all really good actors but when your character came on there was something just i i could just smell your character there's just something just real about him just really grounded and got a little dirt you know a little dirty and i don't know i just really love i mean and i know a lot of people loved abraham and yeah. uh, it, was, it was such a great character to watch. And did you, first of all, when they, when you got this, did they say, Hey, this is just for a recurring. And then all of a sudden this thing blew up and you're like, Holy shit. I, I just lasted a couple seasons here. How many seasons did you do Four. I'm in the middle of four uh, season four and then did all of five, all of six. And then uh, the beginning of the end of seven. Right, right, right. So, you know, in, in, in walking dead math, that's actually three and a half seasons because <laughs> even when, you know, there was 20, when I was there, there's 22 regulars, 22 regulars over 16 episodes, you would do maybe five or six episodes some years. Um, so my first year when I did four, even though I was, I was guesting, uh, that, you know, that's basically 
just shy of what some people were doing every, you know, for a season that we're right. working season. So, um, I was, I was told when I met with Scott Gimple, um, I was told that they were getting back to the, trying to get back closer to the comics. Um, cause they'd gone really far in season three, I guess. And, you know, with, with, with killing off some, some major, um, players who were actually still alive who, up until recently in the comics. And, uh, so the idea and the feel of it and everything behind it was that they wanted to get back to the comics, but I knew in the comics, you know, after doing the research on that, that he only was around for, you know, 20 or 30, uh, publications. Um, I used to know the numbers. He came in in like, uh, uh, I forget what it was, but I feel like he, he was, he was in it at 30 something and, and died at, at 90 something. Um, well, you read all of those. You actually read all of them. I did. I read, Oof. I read up until his, uh, Reading. until his passing and then a little, a little, a little beyond cause I got really sucked into it. Um, and so I knew it was, it was great, you know, and there was, and there was a bunch that had changed from the, from the graphic novels to the, the show. It's interesting that the, the Daryl character, um, changed how a lot of the other characters were dealt with because what what Kirkman had done in the graphic novel was he would bring in characters who would become confidants with Rick and sort of sort of like his new best friend uh not to sort of trivialize that you know his writing but um but that that that's the the the, the mechanism they served someone who would get close to him and we could learn more about him uh through the people that he met you know and it was the same thing with Tyrese when he met Tyrese he very very close shared a lot and through the sharing you learned a lot about him and then he got killed off and then you know then my character comes in um so having the daryl character there who is his true best friend and confidant the whole time changed the dynamic of how those those characters when they did come in how they functioned in the world so um i knew that my time would be sort of similar to what was in the comic um and it didn't really matter you know if the fans loved it or hated it you know kirkman had said early on you know the the way we think that we show that this world is a dangerous world is we, we kill people we love. So, you know, I knew that I wasn't, you know, when did I they tell you, Michael, it wasn't Rick, it wasn't Daryl, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't. Well, when did they tell you? When did they, they didn't do a pull. I interviewed this guy, Chris Jericho, big wrestler. And he said that he knew that he was going to win the championship that day. They told him. So did they give you like oh, no. a week, a week ahead? They go, Hey, did they call you? What was the real no, I scoop? Got a, I got a call when I was in uh, in New York. On, I think it was a break between between. Well, we shoot our seasons in two parts: so the first first part and the second part. And there's a week break in between. It's sort of the hottest time in Georgia. The crew has already gone through eight episodes. Everybody's just dead. It, it's it's brutal. It's August, um, and so we take a week, two weeks off uh, in in August, and. Uh, then we come back and finish the rest of the season. And during that time, I, I, I ran out to New York and I get a phone call from, uh, from Scott. He's like, Hey, uh, he leaves me a message. Hey, uh, you're dead. No, I take, no, I take back. <laughs> the AD called the AD called oh. Matt, Matt Goodwin called. He's like, Hey, uh, Scott wants to set up a, a, a call with you for next week. Oh, I said, boy. Okay. 
Did you say you know why? I would have been like, why? Like, what do you know? It's like, do you know what it's about? He's like, no, no, no. It's just a, you know, second season, sort of like where everything's headed. Blah, blah, blah. Call. Okay. All right. Sure. Next Wednesday, two o'clock. Sounds great. So then I immediately <laughs> call Scott. I'm like, hey, uh, call me back. So he calls me like, hey, what's going on? I go, you, you can't do that. You can't be like, oh, hey. I said, if you're going to kill me, kill me. I want to know. I don't want to be wondering. Like, I'd rather start processing me being dead now than, than wonder if I'm going to be dead for another week and a half and then have to process it. I said, it doesn't matter. You're already, like, I already assume I'm dead. So either confirm or deny. And he said, well, I said, okay, so yeah, so I'm dead. Well, no, I mean, I don't, I go, yes, it's okay. Um, so we talked about this when I first came in. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't upset per se. Um, I wasn't happy to leave the show. You know, I, I would have liked to have continued if that was in, in the cards. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't really bummed out about it because I knew it was coming. So uh, ultimately, I, I wish we had done a few more episodes with myself and Sonequa uh, when, you know, when All Out War happened, because it would have been nice to actually see Abraham functioning as a soldier. Um, but that wasn't in the cards. And that's, you know, we have to make room for, you know, characters we love die so new characters can come in that we can fall in love with. Yeah. That's, that's the rotation of the sure. show. And, and I have zero. Uh, issue with that at all did you cry uh, when you died no did the day when you left everybody did you, you know emotions uh the day no because it was really a celebration but there were times when i when i got sad knowing that i wasn't like if i'd see events that everybody was at it was sort of be like oh but i don't i don't i don't i don't know if i cried and i'm a crier so i'm a crier i tell you if i cried fucking cry at mayonnaise commercials i'm a john crier um, i cried at mandalorian last night i'm fucking crying i, I had to right. do, I'm, I'm with somebody and i literally turned off the lights and like dude what, what are you doing i go nothing are you gonna cry for what uh, I did, did you watch queen's gambit oh yeah cry central I'm, when in the end when she's doing the thing when she takes a deep breath and she looks up and they all come down from the ceiling just weeping oh like, like a little baby ball state university brother it was like it was sort of i was like oh my god it's like the cavalry came in you know it's like the same feeling you get at the end of an action movie when everybody shows up and you're like yes tears for fears man <laughs> there, like, we... ah, there they are yeah dude i get so i don't know what it is i get emotional sometimes and i think i gotta call the doctor i'm i, I shouldn't be crying at this and then i realized well you're just an emotional guy i don't cry constantly but all of a sudden i'll look at my dog and i go i might not have you i mean i know you're two years old right now and you got a long time but no, but like my, I have an older dog, so I'm always going, oh my God, I get like emotional of the thought of like my best. Anyway, we don't get into that, but so, okay. So you didn't, you, you might've got emotional maybe a little bit, but like really you didn't get emotional, but um, you know, I heard something from another actor on the show a long time ago that said, you know, and not knocking AMC, they make great product, but they, they used to hold you guys limited to the amount of conventions you can do. Is that true? Some, some actors were when they got brought in uh, after me. Uh, not not literally after me, but sometime after I was hired, that became part of the negotiation, and and you got you know a little bit more per episode uh, to not do you know X number of episodes. I mean, I mean at conventions. Why? I, I don't know. That's so weird. I, I, I know. So, I know some people were were. Um, some people were doing them like every weekend and it was interfering with the work schedule. Oh, and it wasn't the top, you know, 
the top top people like Norman Norman wasn't doing that you know uh, he was he, his stuff was all scheduled out and spaced out and um, you know they took a lot out of him because he was you know a huge huge convention draw so it, it you know it took a toll on him just physically um, doing that so but there were some some people who were were doing quite a bit and I think I think. Again, I don't know because it didn't it didn't affect me what I was doing. I, I didn't do too many of them when we were in season. Uh, if I did, I tried to schedule them around as everyone does. We try to schedule them around episodes we're not in. Yeah, right, right. Um, but what was it like the first time you went to a convention? Because when you went to a convention, it was probably the what was. I mean, I, I I can imagine you went for other roles, but this had to be the biggest. No, you didn't. So you hadn't been to a convention, and so the first time they say Michael Cudlitz. What was your response? Because I guarantee there was 400 people in line. The, the first time they, well, maybe let's back up even. The first convention ever I was at was New York Comic Con when my character oh, was introduced. Oh, God. Uh, 4,000 people in, the, was it Javid, Javis, Javis? Jacob Javits, Javits, Javits Center. Jacob Javits, Javits. Javits. Yeah. And uh, I say 4,000. I think that's a little bit under, but it's like whatever that main, main room holds. Oh, it's more gosh. than 4,000, but I don't know the exact number. I know it's not the six, almost 7,000 that's in San Diego. Um, they start talking about, we're going to do a gag. I'm basically going to go out there dressed as uh, just some cosplayer. I got a, like a cheap plastic cowboy hat and a, a sport jacket and a uh a white uh what's the what's the face the white face with the mustache uh oh the uh v for vendetta no what is it yes yes v for v, vendetta, v, yeah. something similar to that or maybe it's even more just innocuous maybe just a, <laughs> right just a white like mask anyway so i'm up there and, they, and i have a microphone and they want me to basically do this iconic uh chunk of dialogue from the from the uh from the graphic novel and the, the, the microphone is right next to me where everybody can ask group questions. So when they say, okay, everybody come on up to ask questions. I'm like right there and I just stand up. So I'm hiding with the microphone and the thing and they're getting, they're, they're talking about the show and they're this and that, blah, blah, blah. And they go on and on and on. I open up the questions and I stand up and uh, I stand up in front of the person. They're like, Hey, what are you doing? And I turn around, I'm like, shut up. And they're like, what? And I told him, like, hey. <laughs> so I'm like, give start giving him shit. I'm like, Where, where's Abraham? These people want to see where Abraham is. You write the show, right? And Robert Kirkman's like, look, I, I'm, at some point, I'm like, you know what? Shut up. <laughs> give me an answer. Like, I'm really confrontational. At this point, I find out later on that Andrew Lincoln's wife was there. And she was like, oh, my God, there's a crazy man who's, who's going like, <laughs> to pull out a gun and open fire. On, and, like, it's going to be some crazy Shut incident. Up! So uh, uh, Yvette was monitoring. Hardwick wasn't monitoring that time. Uh, and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you because of your mask. And, you know, you take your mask off? I was like, sure. So I take off, drop the helmet, pull off the thing, drop the jacket. And I'm standing there dressed as Abraham. And the fucking audience, because, you know, the people who go to the, the conventions, Die you know, that's, hard. That's, that's one breed of fan. But the fans that go to the conventions and then wait in line for nine hours for the panel, whole other level. Love them. They know. Love them. They're they committed, know exactly man. Exactly what's going down, that's and they, awesome. they just start going nuts. 
And God. I thought that was over. And I was like, holy crap, this is insane. And Yvette's like, you know, why don't you come on up here and just and say hi to everybody. I'm walking up. And I remember this is a, is a, is a, a thing online. Everyone can check it out. There's a, a photo of me at New York Comic Con. I get the year. Uh, I've been walking across stage and I, I walk up and I, and I hold up a fist uh, or hold up to go to wave. And uh, cause they're all cheering. Everyone's cheering. And the minute I put my hand up, you know, I'm thinking, Holy crap, this is insane. I put my hand up and the wall of sound that hit me. Well, I was literally speechless. Oh I was God, literally, yeah. what, Holy shit. What the hell? That's is a beautiful happening? thing. What a beautiful thing. I, I, I couldn't even, could not wrap my head around it. That was my first convention experience. <laughs> that is so, and I'll tell you what, because I've had it with like small, but the, the, the fans, I, I love them. I mean, the, the people, I'm a fan of shows that I think I'd go bonkers. I love conventions. I was going to conventions before I even became famous at all. And I was like kind of that guy walking around. And so when people love something, it's such an awesome thing to be a part of because it's just a giant family of people that can relate to one thing. If, if not sure. only one thing, if, if only one thing, and that's a beautiful thing when everybody can go, Hey, like for this shitty uh, year we had, everybody can go, ah, oh, we have this. And that's something to grasp a hold of. And I think that's awesome, man. I think that's so awesome. And I, and I bet it was, I could tell it's overwhelming. Cause you know, it is, it's just it's, for 4,000 or more people to just be going, we love you. We're in. We can't wait. You're like, oh my god! I already have people that love me. This is. I've been I haven't waiting. Even done anything yet. I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking genius. Listen, we're gonna go real quick to uh, shit talking with Michael Cudlitz, and this is just rapid fire. And this is uh, just fans on my Patreon. Uh, if you want to join Patreon, Patreon.com/slash inside of you. Here it is. Quick question, Shane M. What do you do to relax or wind down, Michael? Whiskey and cigars. What kind of whiskey? Uh, kind of my go-to right now is Woodford. Um, just but I got a, I got a lot in my a lot of different whiskeys. I'm, I'm a big fan it. of the small batch local distillers. Will you email me something that I should have if I haven't really gotten into whiskey? Because I grew up in Indiana and I I drank like Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, like whiskey or bourbon. But I don't know what a good like anything. You know what I'm used to cheap yeah, like blanton's is a great well just email me i'll have you email me just what you drink and i'll you know the cigar i can't do it i'm not a man enough i i'll choke to death <laughs> Dave, i have a cigar bar now in, in uh, nashville you have a cigar bar in nashville what's it called it's called the red phone booth wow the Check red it out phone booth.com and we are partially open <laughs> all right guys check that out you have to check that out dave p i mean I didn't ask you this, but were you satisfied with your character's death in Walking Dead? Was I satisfied? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, those are all woulda, shoulda, couldas. Um, way, 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 way better than the graphic novel. Um, but yeah. Lisa H., what was it like working on Beverly Hills 90210? Any fun memories of being on set? Uh, it was great, um, actually. Uh, if I did not can you know move forward with my career as an actor I, I would still be doing construction for film and television right now and some of my closest friends are still doing it i always love the feeling of uh, uh walking away at the end of the day and there was a something there that wasn't there in the morning um i also started acting on it i mean it wasn't my first gig but i i did uh 12 that one of doing 12 episodes and uh everything i sort of learned there has helped me be what i am today as a performer and an actor 
Uh, I'm sorry, the director, um, because I was able to see all sides of it uh, and work with some really wonderful people. Awesome. Lee MP, which character that you've portrayed do you identif- identify with most? Um, I don't know, probably be a cross between uh, John Cooper and, and Denver. Southland. Cool. Yeah. Southland and Band of Brothers, those two roles. Yeah. All right, I dig. Uh, last two questions. Claudine and how did you find it going from playing Abraham to directing on The Walking Dead? Was that a, you know, what was that transition? Uh, because I, they, I had so much love from the cast and the crew, it was, it was sort of seamless. Um, it was, I felt incredibly supported. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, and I, you know, initially thought it was like, okay, they're doing me a favor because they like me and, you know, uh, but then when they asked me back, I was like, all right, that, that would be a self-inflicted wound uh, if it didn't go well. <laughs> and uh, it did. I loved it. And uh, I'm, I'm doing it more. I'm going to be going back again this year. Awesome. Jerry W., my wife and I are huge Walking Dead fans. Was the peace sign to Sasha in your final scene an acting choice or scripted? Great performances all the way through to the end, dude. Uh, we actually filmed the end. That's an interesting question because we filmed the end of season uh, season six uh, with what was it? It was it was my POV, so it was the victim's POV, and it was always following him. And then it looked, then it got hit, then whoever it was got hit and looked back up, and then got hit again. Um, when they came back into season seven. They wanted some connection between me and Sasha, but they had already shown that whoever was being hit never looked at her. So we were kind of locked into this thing that I, I couldn't, you know, the perspective of who it was couldn't look at her. So that, that was something that, um, that I added because it was something that we ran through multiple times where we did the peace sign to each other. It was kind of our unspoken deal. And then I, uh, on the night of shooting it, I actually ran it by Scott and Greg. I said, Hey, you know, even though I don't look at her, if we haven't shown, you know, what she's looking at, I said, if I'm looking straight ahead and I shoot the peace sign down, but we see that she is seeing it, um, that could be a great little Easter egg uh, for the fans. Because it's really, really low in frame, too. It's like if you, if you, you barely see it, you know, it's not featured. It's not like, you know, ooh, close, you know, beating right. you over the head with it, as it were. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was really wonderful and subtle, and they let me do it, and uh, it's uh, it, it was highly effective. Awesome. Um, uh, last question, really. I said that, but Michael Rosenbaum has a question. How happy was your wife when you shaved that mustache? <laughs> Very. She was more happy when we were able to stop doing the red dye, uh, which we had to do a year after I died because we were keeping it a secret from the audience. So. Did she taste it? Could she taste it when she kissed you, the dye? Or smell I don't it. know about the. I don't know about that, but uh, she could. She could definitely feel the the nastiness of, <laughs> of all of that. Did she? Did she want to kiss you less because of that? Oh come on, man! Look at this. How could you want to kiss me less? <laughs> ah, I love it, dude. This has been so fun. I mean, I know we didn't know each other, but I I really enjoy this. You're just a, a guy's guy, and uh, you're just so humble and sweet. And thanks for opening up and and just talking shit, man. I, I really appreciated this absolutely thank you this is fun yeah well maybe we'll do it again in a year yeah we'll do it we'll do it uh we'll, we'll check back in once clarice is a huge hit. yeah it will be i guarantee <laughs> people want to see that I, I, you know whoever the people who love it are gonna really love it i'll tell you that um 
it's dark. It's we've seen pieces of it. It's very much, very much like the movie. Uh, it's, it's very. It's also has a little bit of a true detective vibe to it. Has a little bit of the killing. It's not. It's not your typical uh, CBS show. Um, not and, a typical uh, procedural, that, right? Like, as a good thing, because I, I prefer the stuff that's not on network lately, as most people are. When does it come out? February 11th. February 11th. So you're quarantining right now, and then you're going to go finish some more episodes. Yep. We've got uh, seven more days in quarantine. Oh, man. I love that. What's your favorite line of Silence of the Lambs? The one line you always remember. Besides, My favorite line? Besides fava beans. I just like, I hear, whenever I hear, when I hear Clarice, I hear Clarice. Okay. I hear him saying Clarice. Every time I hear screaming. the name of the show, Clarice. I think my favorite was uh, when he goes, I don't think I'll kill you. <laughs> Not the world today. Is far more interesting with you in it. Yes, the last line of the movie, right? <laughs> and I like the line where he says, What did he say? Who? Multiple Migs in the next cell. He said something to you. What did he say? <laughs> And then I can't repeat what he said. But anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for allowing me to be inside of you, man. All my best to you and the family and, and, and health and happiness. And keep up the great work, man. Thank you. And a big hug to your grandma. I will. I'll give her a big hug for you. All, <laughs> All right. right. Take care, buddy. See you, Michael. Thanks, man. I, I found him fascinating. What did you like mostly about Michael? He just seemed like a good dude because uh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't. I also didn't know much about him, but uh, and because he just he portrays the tough guy very well. And great and, facial hair. No, I mean always. So it's always nice when, uh, yeah, someone who plays like a a stone cold badass on television is just a genuinely nice human being. Just a sweet man. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it's that comforting. Too. <laughs> it is comforting. It's I you know again when you can open up as playing the tough guy and you know you sometimes you, you feel like they're the intangibles they're untouchable they're we don't know anything but oh he's tough he's got his life under control he's got but you, you you hear the hardships you hear the things that you go through you hear uh certain things and it uh humanizes people yeah and i think that's important so thank you michael cudlitz again if you enjoyed today's show please follow us on the handles ryan uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosemont. Yeah, please watch. You can watch these wonderful videos on YouTube and uh, all that. And again, the band, uh, our album, Sunspin, the album's called Best Days. It's on iTunes and Amazon. You can follow us, which I hope you will. If Gosh, if, if just a tenth of these people just said, okay, you know what? I'll follow your handles at, at Sunspin Band. And uh, we'll go to sunspin.com and uh, check some stuff out if you want to book the band or whatever. And uh, just listen to the album. Tell us what you thought. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, we have a little contest uh, releasing the new album. We're going to do a, a contest where we give out some goodies for free. If you want to learn more about it, go follow us on our social at, at Sunspin Band, and you can win some stuff and maybe even a Zoom with us. Um, so, yeah, Bryce will take care of that, and we'll, uh, we'll, uh, you'll go online, and we'll figure it out. And uh, tell all your friends. And uh, my wonderful patron family, thank you again. I made a mistake, Ryan, and I don't know if it's a mistake, but uh, I sent, uh, you know, I have for certain tiers of the uh, mm -hmm. uh, Patreon, mm -hmm. I send merch boxes and I sign a little note um, and, I, and every couple months I, they get a box. Well, I accidentally sent two, I think, to most people. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? I guess you got a free box. Yeah. I mean. You're already getting a box. Now you got another box. I don't know what else to do. Fuck. I can't just say, Christmas. okay, well, now you're not getting your next box. I'm sure they'd understand, but, you know, I, I love them and. If you want to join Patreon, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash inside of you. 
um, and become a patron. I'll message you after. I love the family we have. You get private YouTube lives just for the patrons. There's special discounts on merch at the Inside of You online store. There's uh, there's just tons of stuff, and I uh, message people back, and uh, some people get to ask questions to the guests, shit talking with Rosenbaum or shit talking with Michael Cudlitz or whatever, uh, whatever you like. Um, and then there's the merch and all the stuff. You get a shout out. In fact, I want to give the shout outs now. These are the shout outs for the top tiers for the uh, Patreon. And here we go. Uh, Nancy D, Mary B, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G. See, they're they're flowing right here. You see this? You <laughs> well, had to stop them now, right? Didn't you? Well, no, they're, they're frozen. They're frozen and then they will change when you reach the bottom of the list. Really? So as I talk, they go? No, they, they, they stay. And then when you hit a certain point, when you reach the bottom, it changes to the next one. Lauren G, Brian H, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W. I wonder if it changed just now. I don't know. Robert I, Jason W, Stephen J, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M. If I sound tired today, it's because I am. I'm a little tired. I woke up at three in the morning, but I still love you. And maybe for the rest of the names, I should give a little more uh, emphasis. Jennifer N, Stacy L, Carly H, Jen S, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tabitha two seventy two, not to be confused with Tabitha two seventy three, Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Mike E, Marissa N, Eldon Supremo, Dan, Jack S, Slater, I love you, Ramira, I love you, Beth B, love you, everybody, I love you, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Roshan, Roshan R, Ray A, Maya P, Maisha, Maddie S, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Anusha W, Osborne, Osborne, Amy C, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider Man, Chase, Sheila G, Ray H, Harada, Alyssa C, Tabitha T, Misha H, Deb A, Tom N, Suzanne B, Henry S, Katie F, we're almost done here, Liliana A, hi Liliana, we talked a few times. Michelle K, what up? Marcus, he can. Hannah B, Michael S, Talia M, uh, Luke H, John S, Andrew T, Christy S, Claire M, Liz J, Laura L, Chad B, Rachel or Rochelle E, Nathan E, Brandon D, Taylor K, Neil A, Marlon E, Meg K, Janelle P. Also, I just did, I forgot to mention, I did a uh, Batman Beyond with Kevin Conroy, uh, an old episode. We did a table read for IGN that's going to be coming out later in the month. Nice. And I read a couple characters, um, and it was a lot of fun. We did it last night, and it was uh, we had some technical difficulties, but mm. they'll edit it, and it will <laughs> sound good. Uh, thank you all for for listening. Thank you all for supporting this podcast. I will continue to do it as long as you are here listening or watching. And um, from Ryan and myself here in the hills of Hollywood. The Hollywood Hills. The Hollywood Hills. The home of Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, thank you for, for coming around and hanging out with me. And uh, there's a camera right up there. A nice wave. Yeah. And thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. Uh, I know you're not listening, Dad, but maybe one day you'll be like, oh, I'm listening. Uh, I love you all. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs>
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.